Well, hello, listeners. Welcome to a very special pre-recorded episode of Nothing to Fear, a special episode. It's just Billy here. I'm all by myself, talking to you from the distant past of July 2022, so you'll be hearing this in August, next month. But I'm here to just sort of remind y'all that we are on our summer break. We've been working on this podcast for two years now, and... You know, now that we're busy, we're living in different provinces, we got stuff going on in the summer, we're taking a little bit of a recording break. And, well, we're, we're still going to be recording, but we're taking a bit of a release break. Uh, we'll be releasing episodes, brand new episodes, again in October. So we're taking September off of releasing episodes just to help us build up a buffer again and just, you know, relax and uh, give me a little break from editing for, for the time being, because it is quite a lot of work in. So I hope hope you'll hang out with us still for these episodes. But this week, uh, the next two weeks, actually, I'm going to be releasing an episode of Luke's podcast, The Liberal Soul, where he had Alex and I on, and we talked all about Star Wars. So if you are wondering, boy, oh boy, those three dorks make a lot of Star Wars references on their show. Here's a little bit more reason as to why we like Star Wars. Uh, it could just be because we are millennials, and that seems like that's a thing to do. But anyway, so this is uh, th- this conversation that we had was nearly three hours long, so I've broken it up into two parts for y'all, and I hope you'll enjoy it, and you'll come back next week and stick around for what we've got coming out in September because it's while it won't be movies, it's still going to be some fun stuff. So anyway, I'll let... The conversation start, and I'll talk to you all soon. Love you. The Liberal Soul is a podcast where I talk to people about their passions and their interests. I'll relay some of my own, as well as discuss works and thinkers important to the history of liberal philosophy. The Liberal Soul is meant to represent the people who are curious about the world and live to see themselves and others flourish within it. Please be aware that this podcast has some crude language and sometimes some bad words, but so it goes. Hello, you've found the liberal soul. My name is Luke Mason. I am super, super pumped for today's episode because I actually have two guests today. My guests are Alex Wan and Billy Schultz. And the reason I'm so excited for this is twofold. The first is that we are going to be talking about our first kind of common love together, which is Star Wars. So this is going to be a very nerdy, very (laughs) uh, effusively loving and sometimes critical uh, love letter to Star Wars, but what can you do when the franchise has taken the twists and turns that it has? And so the force is strong with us in this recording. But additionally, I'm really excited because Alex and Billy are co-hosts on another podcast that Billy started and Billy runs called Nothing to Fear. And in that podcast, the three of us record an opening segment talking about the movie we're going to watch that day. Then we watch a horror movie. And then after we watch the horror movie, we discuss it. So there's like a shorter intro segment and then the trailer plays. And then we come back after having watched the movie and talk about it. And that podcast is a ton of fun. It's been such a good way for the three of us to stay in contact with each other. It's definitely been one of the things that has improved my podcast chops as well as the other two and so i thought i really wanted to get the two of them on to the liberal soul to talk about something all three of us love and was kind of like one of the first things we bonded over which is our love of star wars and so that is what you get today is a, is a more nerdier well i won't say more nerdier because i definitely know i've done some pretty nerdy solo episodes but a definitely a nerdy episode of Li- liberal soul that is um very loving So I hope you enjoy it. And if you are enjoying The Liberal Soul, it would be really awesome if you could leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. That's a really good way to help new people find the show. As well as um, if you want to be in contact with me, you can send me an email at theliberalsoul87 at gmail.com. There is also a Facebook group called The Liberal Soul, which you can search and like. And uh, I post notifications for new episodes there as well. And there is a Twitter 
at liberalsoul87 if you want to get a hold of me there. And so without any more distracting and unnecessary trips to Cloud City or Bespin, uh, may the force be with you. I bring you Alex Wan and Billy Schultz. Okay, well, I want to say a big hello and thank you for coming to the show today to Alex Wan and Billy Schultz. How are the two of you doing? I'm good. Um, went outside this morning, a little sweaty, but it's nicer. It's only like 27 degrees, so it's great. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm ready yes. to uh, talk about the hot twin suns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker. <laughs> Are we talking about Star Wars today? I came all prepared to talk about Star Trek. I was going to talk about Jean-Luc uh, Picard, Captain Kirk, everybody. No? No, it's Star Wars. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm doing well, Luke. Thanks for having us on The Liberal Soul. It's a pleasure to be here. It looks suspiciously like the Nothing to Fear recording spaces, but <laughs> I see you've yeah. done... You've done. I love what you've done with the place. <laughs> well, we're recording this at a slightly different time of day than normal, so the uh, light from my light looks a different angle. I don't know. You know what? Like where you're in right now, it kind of looks like your Calgary place a little bit. It mm, really does. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the couch in the main room. There's the light there. There's a brand. I love the brand new picture of Ireland. Yeah. I, uh, I really white walled the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For listeners who don't know. Alex and Billy and I are all on a different podcast called Nothing to Fear, and we were all friends uh, long before that, working for the agency that no longer has a name <laughs> that we know it by. <laughs> it so, still has a name. It's uh, just a dumb not, name. <laughs> we can call it. Yeah. We can say it now, right? None of It's us not Prince. <laughs> well, and actually, it doesn't even exist anywhere now because uh, all the signage is gone. I got. I oh. saw a picture the other day. Uh, I drove by the location in Boness, and it still has the old signage all over that building. Ah, so if for some reason you don't know that I do a podcast also with Billy and Alex, check that one out. Nothing to fear. We watch movies that have nothing to be afraid of them in when we watch them and after. <laughs> so <laughs> feel free to check that out. But that is not well. I won't say there isn't anything horrific at all in the Star Wars universe to talk about, but that's not specifically the reason we talk about them. Uh, so as as the two of you know, one of the things that really motivated my desire to start this new podcast was to talk to people about their passions and the things they love. And I would say, I think we were brought together because we worked together, but probably the first thing that all three of us were able to start making inside jokes and references to was Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to get us together to talk about why we love Star Wars, because I like to talk to people on this podcast about what they love. I'm excited. That is the first thing we all like really commonly bonded over was Star Wars. Yeah, I think so. I mean, was maybe maybe the MCU, but... Not even as deeply, I don't think. No, not even close. Mm-hmm. So um, first question that comes to mind is, like, what are your earliest memories of Star Wars? Can, do you have uh, one that you can, like, pick? Sure. I actually first saw Star Wars as a taped off of another, like, TV channel onto a VHS tape. And it was The Empire Strikes Back. So the very first time I ever encountered any character in the Star Wars universe (laughs) was in the second movie that had ever been released. So Empire Strikes Back, Episode 5, as it was, I think, retroactively named. I don't know if it had the Mm -hmm. number by the time I experienced it because it was like... Oh, gosh. It was like early 90s. So it was before I remember the trilogy VHS set coming out in like 96, I think. And that was when they had done like the THX remaster. And it was in that, oh, in that brand gold... new tech. Yeah, right. It was it was amazing. <laughs> but anyway, so the, the very first time I saw it was off of this sort of like home bootleg copy type of thing and i had no idea what anything about it was but i was just like immediately fascinated you know it gives us an opening crawl i don't i don't have to explain it to you but the opening crawl just talks about like luke skywalker blew up the death star and then like now the rebels are hiding on the base and i was just like i don't know what a death star is i don't know who a luke skywalker is i don't know what a hoth is like this seems really interesting like what 
what is this all about? And I just remember seeing like, you know, this movie that was spaceships and lasers and laser swords. And then like, uh, you know, a man telling another man that he was his, his father. And it was just like, <laughs> okay, what is this? And how do I get and more? What a man. <laughs> <laughs> what a man. What a man. And so I love like thinking back retroactively now, George Lucas's intent about making it feel like old serials where you maybe didn't come into the start of the movie. Like that's his whole idea around the episode four, five and six being a central part of the story. I just like that. I got a little extra meta layer of watching the middle <laughs> movie of a middle trilogy of <laughs> yeah. So I, it kind of just like, that was my first experience. And I, I was just like, yep, I could get into this. I could get all the way super into this. Like, let's go. And did you watch the other two soon after that? I remember then getting that box set, that three VHS box set and finally watching it and being like, Oh, so that's what a death star does. It kind of does exactly what it sounds like, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. Then but I how did the empire one. have that oversight? <laughs> how do they build one of those? And then they build a second one. That's an, that seems implausible, yeah. but here we are. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I think you've told me that before, but I didn't. So it was like a taped movie. It wasn't even the actual movie Empire Strikes Back. So did you have to fast forward through all the commercials? I think, and I, I don't know where the tape is. So I think the tape has long since disintegrated. And I don't know if this is like mm. my current brain remembering back and like changing the the memory as they tell it. But I do remember it being like they aired it onto TV and my parents uh. taped it. And I don't know if it was... The fact that there was little snippets of commercials, I think that there are, but I don't have like, I know that my memory right. is like fa not fallible or is fallible and I could be just like adding and embellishing. So I guess I can't really answer, but my, the way I remember it is, yeah, it was just uh, taped from TV, maybe snippets of commercials and, you know, right. Luke gets into a Tauntaun and then it's like a com half a commercial for a Honda Civic. And then you're like, <laughs> what the hell is going on? <laughs> So, <laughs> well, it comes to mind, Billy, that if if that movie did get disintegrated, Boba Fett must have got his hands on it. <laughs> Despite all those rules he had. Yeah. How about how about you, Alex? What was your first foray into the Star Wars world? Yeah, similar to Billy, the first Star Wars movie I ever saw was Empire Strikes Back. There was a big <laughs> box of cassettes just like in the basement of the house I grew up in. And I think I was like, I think I might've been five or six. And, you know, just being like a curious kid, parents are like, go play, like leave us alone. So I'd go venture downstairs and I'd find this like box of uh, VHSs. And there was one that was not opened. So it was still wrapped in its like plastic from the store. And it was Empire Strikes Back. I, I distinctly remember it. It was, it was like this blue sleeve, and, like, you pull it out from the bottom. It wasn't a side pullout. It was a bottom pullout. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, uh, I remember just seeing this um, this VHS cover and just being so intrigued by it just from the pictures on it, right? If I remember correctly, there was, like, you saw Vader. Vader was on it. Uh, Luke, Han, and Leia, Chewie were on it as well. And then there was, like, a Tauntaun on the bottom. And then there was, like, you saw the Falcon as well. It was just like, I don't know, I was a curious kid and it looked cool to me. So I mm -hmm. like, and it was unopened too, which I thought was weird because like we had this, like it was, it was a mix mash of um, home movies and, um, <laughs> and like lots of uh, pirated Chinese dubs of like the Lion King and things like that. <laughs> and it'd be like, <laughs> it'd be written in Sharpie on the side, like in Chinese, like this is the Lion King. Like, even though I couldn't read it, but like, I'd, I'd go up to my mom and be like, what is this? And she's like, oh, it's the Lion King. I'm like, okay. And then it'd be dubbed, <laughs> dubbed in Chinese, which is funny because I, I think it was Jackie Chan that did the voice of Simba in the dub. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so uh, it was this big box, but like, this was the one I that- I knew Simba did all his own stunts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he fell off the, um, yeah. the cliff by himself too. Yeah, exactly. He sure did. <laughs> Are you talking about the poster- the poster cover, Alex, when you talk about that picture, like those, it looked like that hand painted, like movie poster. Yeah. And I, I just remember it being like a distinct blue sleeve. So 
don't know. It, it looked cool to me. And I think the thing that interested me most about it was that it was unopened, right? It was the one right. tape in this box that was unopened and brand new. So I was like, if anyone's going to watch this for the first time, it's going to be me. So I opened it and I put it in and I, I still remember the basement that I grew up in. It's like this dinky little TV that, you know, had a VHS like player built into it. And I had this little rocking chair and I'd pull up right up to the screen and I'd like rock back and forth and watch it. And I remember being completely confused and oblivious to anything that was going on. Like the opening crawl, I couldn't read it. I couldn't read at that point. And um, them talking about Hoth and Ion Cannons and Tauntauns and X-Wings. I was like, none of this stuff makes sense to me. <laughs> but just visually, it was yeah. the coolest thing I've ever seen. The one scene that like always springs into my mind when when I think about the first time I watched Empire Strikes Back is immediately after the storm when Han finds and saves Luke and shoves him in the Tauntaun and starts sticking up like tent poles and, and whatnot. And then the next scene where you see the um, the snow speeders just like flying over at the horizon and like it's it's all cleared up and the, there's like that music playing in the background and they're looking for Han and Luke. I just remember being like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen and I cannot stop watching. And I didn't stop watching. Like I was blown away visually by everything that happened, even though I didn't really understand it because I was still pretty young at that point. Like So like there were lots of things in Empire Strikes Back that confused me wildly. Like when Luke's on Dagobah training and then he goes down into like the, the, the beaten path and he fights against Vader and then the head explodes and it's a face <laughs> of himself. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> um, and then I remember being like grossed out when, you know, Han and Leia are making out and stuff because you know that's what you do as a kid but then like mm. also thinking like when he gets down in the carbonate and he says i know it's like wow this guy's cool and and <laughs> like the lightsaber fight and luke losing his hand like watching that as a five-year-old was kind of traumatizing oh sure yeah i don't know how to explain it it's just emotions when i think about the first time i watched it and just no matter what like even if i didn't understand it i wanted to keep watching because it was cool and it was like mm -hmm. different than anything else that i've ever seen before so that vhs tape in the basement that was unopened that's my first experience with star wars and it's kind of funny my my journey into star wars is a little bit unorthodox i would say so mm. i watched empire strikes back first and i i remember just re-watching that i i didn't know there were more right like <laughs> I, I didn't know that this was the second movie. So all that confusion of not knowing the context of A New Hope, that was like, it was just given for me. I was just like, okay, this is like, this is how this world starts. And my idea of movies was kind of a little bit skewed at that point as well, because I remember also having this Lord of the Rings cartoon. Um, oh, the animated the one, Lord of the Rings? The, the animated oh. Lord of the Rings. And that was the okay. one where it did Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers, but not all of Two Towers. Like it ended at, like a certain point and that's how i thought the story of lord of the rings ended as well so <laughs> this is how i thought the story of empire strikes back ended because i didn't know that there was return of the jedi i didn't know there was a new hope so all i ever watched growing up was empire strikes back over and over again <laughs> and then finally i remember attack of the clones came out and it was my friend's birthday and he was a big star wars fan so for his birthday his parents took me and a bunch of his friends to go see Attack of the Clones. So Attack of the Clones was the second Star Wars movie I've ever watched. Wow. <laughs> so I'm just, and then like, we, we can, we'll talk more about how like, you know, it's probably one of the worst <laughs> Star Wars movies, but like at a young age, like I saw it in theaters when it came out, like mm -hmm. when did it come out? Like two, 2002, 2002. Yeah. 2002. Yeah. So I, I would have been like nine. So like a nine year old watching Attack of the Clones is like, this is cool. Yeah. So that's when I really got into the Star Wars lore and I learned that there were other movies and the friend that like he was a big Star Wars fan. So like the, at his house, that's where I started watching. Like I, I watched A New Hope for the first time. I watched Return of the Jedi for the first time. And then I watched Phantom Menace for the first time. And the rest is kind of history. That's how I got into it. That's kind of how I got into Star Wars was Empire Strikes Back for the longest time and only thinking that that was the only one that existed. That's amazing. And then realizing that there were more movies once Attack of the Clones came out. <laughs> you know as if the chronology of star wars isn't confusing enough 
right? on its own <laughs> without then also watching those movies out of order. Yeah. So I guess I, I really, I'm really all about the second, the second movie in the trilogy. Uh, so I, I should have saw <laughs> Last Jedi first, right? <laughs> yeah, you should have. Well, I think we can all agree The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars movie ever made. <laughs> For sure. You know, just just to, before we get off of The Empire Strikes Back, I have to mention in passing that it took me like at least four or five more viewings than I would actually care to admit, where I just thought that Han Solo and Luke were snuggled up in that Tauntaun together. Like, I did not have the context for Han, like, <laughs> building the camp after. And obviously he did, because yeah. he says, it'll keep you warm till I get the shelter up. But I just missed it, and I was just like, I guess they both just, like, spoon inside this, like, gross Tauntaun <laughs> full of worms until they get I rescued. I mean, it's the okay. warmest place, right? Oh. <laughs> uh. You know those uh, the guts of the Tauntaun remind me a little bit of the green squigglies in James and the Giant Peach if they were mm-hmm. like in a, in a actual uh, animal kind of thing. I love that um that first kind of like 20 25 minutes of Empire Strikes Back where you get introduced to the rogue squadron and that music plays as they're going and then I think it's within that time you you hear the Imperial March for the first time like these really iconic elements of the Star Wars lore that weren't actually there until Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. were it's just like a perfect mm-hmm. follow-up. Now, I have to admit, of the three of us, I'm in the minority here in that the first Star Wars movie I ever saw was the first Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. What a, because... what a rule follower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I was six. Yeah, it was, it was it was 93, and somebody gave my parents a copy of a new hope but it was just like we didn't have the box set not the the classic one that i guess probably came out in 97 but uh it was just yeah it was just a new hope and so i remember watching that movie i i guess i was six for the first time and just being so blown away by the the ships and the sound effects and especially the music the music is arguably the best movie music of all time is in star wars i think certainly like how it affects your emotions for the scenes but my lasting memory of a new hope is the cantina scene where obi-wan cuts off what's that guy's name pond pond baba something like that yeah the the walrus dude's arm (laughs) and it's kind of scary for a kid and like a little bit a little bit traumatizing but I remember my lasting thought being like, wow, I need to get a flashlight like that. (laughs) So for the first good chunk of my life, I just thought lightsabers were really special flashlights. (laughs) They're just like, they shoot out and they make a cool sound and they light up where you need to go. They're even called lightsabers. So (laughs) there's a word in it right there. And then the other enduring image is just the stormtroopers running around, but not really doing anything i remember even i remember even thinking like what do these things even do they just fall down or get shot like that's it (laughs) that's my first and then i think i watched it i think i probably watched a new hope like four or five times before i saw any of the other uh movies okay and so i had really internalized kind of all the scenes with r2 and 3po as they're together and then apart then t- together again and like the jawas were quite established in my understanding of star wars even before yoda was kind of thing so it's like kind of funny to look back on that it seems to me that something maybe in all three of us is like there's certainly at least a, a very like passionate fascination with mm-hmm. what we were watching right which is kind of like, I think, a good stand-up broom. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Wrong podcast. <laughs> well, wait, a good wait. Segue. I have a question, though. I got a question before we stand-up broom. Luke, did you know yeah. that there were other movies, uh, other sequels after A New Hope? Or did you just like only have A New Hope and you watched that for a while and then someone was like, hey, Luke, check it out. More Star Wars. And you're like, how? What kind of magic? How did you do this? Like, Were you aware of the trilogy? Or was it just like... Mm, I don't remember. I don't remember if I knew there were other movies and I didn't have them or if this was the only one. Because I don't think I saw Empire Strikes Back probably till I was about eight or nine. I do remember it was a taped, 
like off the off off TV taped right, with tracking right, right. lines and pausing for commercials and then unpausing <laughs> when they come back on. So I remember that was the first time I ever saw Empire was like that. It might not even have been the whole movie. It might have started a little late. Maybe you just borrowed <laughs> but I saw like how... my parents had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe I'm Boba Fett. Damn it. So I don't I don't think I knew that there were other ones, but I don't remember. Okay. But definitely a common theme I do remember or or I do feel like I notice about people who love Star Wars today is that almost everyone does have a kind of like unique first memory of Star Wars and it's almost always like between the ages of 5 and 8. <laughs> most people like that's like around when it is the major formulative years right yeah and so as as probably a lot of listeners will know on my other podcast really true fiction the second episode my co-host dave and i did was on star wars um specifically the original trilogy and we talk for i think it's like two hours and 45 minutes about <laughs> uh <laughs> the original trilogy so a certainly more exhaustive outlining of my thoughts can be found there but mm-hmm. i i i wonder like maybe what what do you two think it is about star wars that makes people fall in love with it when they experience it as a child i mean i have my thoughts as well but i've i talk about it a little bit i want to hear yours first so billy why don't you why don't you tell me what do you what do you think it is that people fall in love with when they watch star wars for the first time i think if you watch star wars when you're little then it's easier to fall in love with it than say if you were to watch Star Wars for the first time as an adult. And I think because obviously your average adult brain is more critical of things you're seeing. And whereas like with, with kids, you're just sort of like accepting it and being like, ah, this is great. Like it, you, you're again, what Alex said, it's the emotions, right? It's like how you feel looms so large in your mind that like it colors everything over with this brush. And I think that, especially for kids of the 80s and 90s, that this was like a time when there was one lot of Star Wars movies. It was this one thing that happened. George Lucas had ideas for other stuff, but it certainly hasn't turned into what it is nowadays, which is like a movie every couple of years and like a million TV shows and comic books and novels. And like, there's so many things that take Star Wars and, and pull it out into this expanded universe if you'll permit me that um (laughs) you know it was the original trilogy was all we had growing up and so it was like it gave you this setting and it told you a story but you could just see from looking around and looking at every single like set dressing and every cantina every alien in that cantina like i remember when i finally saw that cantina scene i was like who's that guy what is that thing hey that's a devil is that dude just wearing a spacesuit like that's (laughs) that's neat like you know like there's just all these little tiny things that like makes the universe so rich and then you don't really get to see it so it's like like yeah this is all Mm -hmm. in here but what we're doing is we're watching this like farm boy and his grandpa or somebody and his like two (laughs) two friends like (laughs) and i think like I notice it fully when I talk to kids at our old job about it because Mm -hmm. they have the same, they felt the same way about star Wars rebels, the TV show that I felt about the original trilogy. And they, they knew of Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader and, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And these were all people that they were familiar with, but they had the same love and affection for the characters in this TV show, because that's what they saw. And it was the same sort of like Mm -hmm. bright colors, interesting plots. The acting is a little bit clunky. If you watch it as an adult, you're like, Oh boy, these aren't, these people aren't winning Oscars for their acting performances in any of the movies or TV shows. They're always a little bit like weird, but just when you're young and when you're, little and you get a chance to form those things it's just like i don't know it just grabs you and doesn't let go Hmm. yeah there's so many details to get into to there i i really resonated though with that point that point billy of like especially the original trilogy i mean all of them i guess but when you watch it like as an adult i think of course what comes to mind is like all of the things that are just kind of assumed in the plot of star wars that they don't dwell on at all and I think that's kind of one of the reasons why it's a little bit harder to buy in for adult audiences. But 
why I think they work so well for kids and certainly did for me is that Star Wars is kind of like unapologetically an adventure movie and it Mm -hmm. sacrifices basically everything for the adventure. And that works because adventures are unbelievably compelling, especially to kids. And so thinking back, like the pacing of the original trilogy is basically perfect if the kind of story you're trying to tell is peaking in excitement like every seven minutes like there's like (laughs) the characters are kind of always in jeopardy right there's kind of always if it's if it's not the tuscan raiders it's the stormtroopers at the cantina coming to look for them or it's they're going to be found out in the detention block and leia's got to save their skins or there's it's that monster in the the trash Trash compactor compactor. yeah yeah i forget his name starts with a d diagnoga Yeah, there it is. Just take A New Hope. I mean, I think all the movies do this, but A New Hope is basically like a recurring theme of characters in danger and then escaping, right? In danger, escaping, in danger. And like using the skill sets of all of the characters to do that somehow. And certainly, I mean, obviously I can't think about it like this when I'm six, but thinking about it now, six-year-old Luke watching that movie is watching Star Wars in a similar way that I now watch a sports game I really care about because it's exciting and I don't know what's going to happen next, but I care about it. Mm. And I think that that's, that's kind of, at least for me, was the nucleus of how, and like it had all this great window dressing of like maybe the greatest sound effects ever and ships I'd never seen before and cool names for things and cool characters. But because you end up really caring about the characters like even 3PO and R2 like R2 right at the beginning like we don't know anything about the Jawas we don't know what they want and but we care about R2 we've seen him from the beginning he's attached <laughs> to us even subconsciously it's like yeah. he's in danger already like it's just like this <laughs> recurring theme of danger and escape and so for me that it was the unadulterated commitment to adventure and danger and overcoming that danger that is very compelling as a story. So that's what that made me think of too. But what do you, what do you think, Alex? What do, what do you, what's your take on why people fall in love with this? Um, I don't know why people fall in love with it, but like, I will say why <laughs> I fell in love with it. Um, yeah. Okay. Kind of going back to my original point, like I had no idea what was going on, but just like everything about it kept me in. And it was through rewatching and rewatching and actually listening to the the dialogue that I slowly started to form like an understanding of the plot of Empire Strikes Back. Like, I, and then it's one of those rare rare phenomenons where it's like I don't care that I don't understand it. I just want to keep <laughs> watching. Um, yeah, because everything about it is just so cool. Like the spectacle of it. One thing I I, I kind of related to the characters in the original trilogy, um, especially in Empire Strikes Back, is how isolated everything was, right? Like there was never like I, I think outside of Bespin, you think that this universe that exists is like everyone is like scattered and like people don't live in homes and things like that, and they're always on the move. There's something about that that I I kind of related to. Like I don't know, maybe I'm reaching a little too far, but like you kind of get got a sense of like even though these characters didn't have a home, they had a sense of belonging because they had each other, and that's kind of what I wanted as well, right? Um, I wanted a group of friends that I could count on through danger, and you know when you're a kid, you 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 always I think playing with imagination was one of the things I did the most as a kid, right? Like. I would strap on like a toy sword and a cape and run around. Um, I had a PC, like I had this flexible little pipe tubing that my dad drilled two holes in and tied string and I had a bow. Like it was so fucking, like that's what I did to pass the time. And um, Star Wars gave me this universe where I could imagine myself in in it, Mm -hmm. right? Like I would be like, what if I was a rebel running from this evil empire? And then what if I was a Jedi? Like those kinds of things. Like anytime I wanted to play like in the schoolyard with friends and like, you know, we we all like a lot of us had common interests, like, you know, how kids play pretend and all that stuff. A big default that we would do is let's play Star Wars. Right. (laughs) And like on the playground, we're like, you know, punching on the bars, like we're going to hyper, like we're we're jumping to hyperspace. (laughs) Right. Like I think just the world that, was 
given to me through Star Wars was something that I I was never bored of it. You know, Mm -hmm. there was always something Star Wars related that I could do, whether it be absolutely yeah play an imaginary game on the playground or find a cardboard box at home and like be like i'm going into my x-wing you know things like that and that's just i think star wars and lord of the rings are the only two things have that have ever done this for me as a kid and that's why those two mediums are so special to me like those two franchises and star wars just hits a little bit differently because because of all those added extra emotions that i got when i was five uh, watching mm. it for the first time it's something that like no matter how much older i get um and how much i experience living looking back on these particular memories it's always happy for me right like mm-hmm. i can kind of think back as a kid like haha little alex just running around the playground waving a stick around thinking <laughs> it's a lightsaber what an idiot but then i look back fondly <laughs> on that right um yeah. I, I look back on such with such happiness thinking about those kinds of memories that really nothing else has done that for me but Star Wars. And that's that's why I love it so much. Yeah, I mean, that's such a good <laughs> point. Star Wars is it's so amenable to imagination and play acting and mm. creativity and like a, adopting of the roles for yourself, similar to Lord of the Rings. And I think it's because like, it's so uncomplicated that even kids can understand that the the heroes on screen are doing something important and worthwhile and a little risky and they're doing it for a good cause. I mean, like it's so in star Wars, it's the light side or the dark side. It's hard to get more like kind of clear in the messaging than that. Right. Yeah. That's good. It's like compelling to also like engage your imagination, which is totally true. Like obviously even today we like kids dress up as, ray or mm-hmm. finn or or kylo ren for halloween or something like that like it's a it's a it's back in the culture for kids to play with and then they have their own heroes of their own era which is really cool too mm-hmm. i had some very very uh george michael level lightsaber skills when i was oh yes I say, yeah, just very <laughs> yes i i did as well <laughs> <laughs> Which is another reason why I love Arrested Development so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. As the two of you know, I am certainly more partial to the original trilogy than mm. e- either the prequels or the sequels, though I, the sequel trilogy, although I am very willing to admit I think there are extremely great parts of both the prequel trilogy and the sequel trilogy and some really awesome new motifs. But maybe it's just nostalgia, and I'm letting that be chauvinistic in my thinking about them (laughs) purely. But I also think the advantage that the original trilogy had, that the other two don't, is that it had the advantage of not having expectations on it. Kind of like the first three seasons of Arrested Development, (laughs) actually, now that you mention it. So it was free to be to one. Now, I don't know this to be true for a fact, but my intuition says that George Lucas didn't necessarily intend for Star Wars to be a massive expanded universe, which is why I think the original trilogy is written kind of the way it is. It's quite a tight story. It's very like open and closed. There's the Empire and the Rebels, and at the end of Return of the Jedi, the Rebels win. And mm-hmm. I've read some stuff over the last, especially with like the Mandalorian Mandalorian taking place like five years after Return of the Jedi in the timeline. Some of the cathartic excitement years. of the end of the Jedi. Oh, is it 10 years? Okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, the like the idea that some of the kind of like cathartic emotionality from the end of Return of the Jedi is lost a bit because we mm-hmm. in Return of the Jedi, the Empire's defeated. Well, not really. They're just kind of scattered and now there's like sectarianism <laughs> and it's 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 yeah. not it's not as like clean cut, let's say. Mm-hmm. And so whether Lucas intended for a much more expanded Star Wars universe or not, I have kind of like bifurcated my mind into two different ways of talking about the original trilogy. One as in it's part of a much bigger universe with its own plot points, which some land better than others, and that's fine. But then also like my more cherished version is the original trilogy as its own three movie story that stand alone and are kind of like exempt from the critiques of the, well, how did Uncle Owen not recognize 3PO after having lived with him for 10 years, even though that does annoy me, (laughs) kind Mm -hmm. of thing. 
So I don't know, like, what do you, I guess, what do you think about that? Like, I guess this is a, a confession of mine. I feel like I, I have the, uh, the original trilogy has kind of been compromised a little bit, in my opinion, by some of the plot points in later movies and in mm. later canon that I consciously choose to not apply retrospectively again to the original <laughs> trilogy. And like, that could just be a, a thing. I mean, like, do you feel like it deserves to be its own thing or is it better viewed as part of the greater story? Like, how do you feel about all of that? Maybe Alex, you can go first. Cause you, I don't know. Like I find that as the years have kind of gone on and more time has passed and I've been given a little bit more time to kind of reflect on both the uh, prequels and the um, like the new trilogy mm-hmm. that that I I'm a, I feel like I'm a lot more forgiving of the prequels and the 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 newer trilogy and I think it's more so because I think I've grown past the idea that Star Wars is just for me as selfishly as like as as stupid right. and selfish as that sounds right like yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I Agreed, think a lot yeah. of the the nostalgia that I look back on with the original trilogy that has kind of um that's fallen away a bit as I've I've gotten a bit older and I don't feel as invested in it. I still feel incredible amounts of love and nostalgia for it, but I don't feel as personally invested because because as I've grown up, what I find you know the most important to me things shift, right? Um so, you know, what what I found incredibly important in I don't know if you could call it the sanctity of the prequels that Thanks, that eh? importance <laughs> has fallen a little bit on me and <laughs> i'm now of the belief that star wars is for everybody and that mm-hmm. you know whatever faults that you know are very obvious in the prequels and the sequels i think that some some people find something out of it and there are parts in both the sequels and prequels that i that have made it to my top star wars moments of all time list as well and i think execution wise it wasn't great but i think i'm able to forgive it because i I guess i've come to understand that other people see value out of some out of this thing and if if other people see value in that then i was kind of able to think a little bit more critically it's like well if if they Mm. see value in it what kind of value do i see in it and i did i did find value in it i think as poorly executed as the prequels were it is telling us a further story about Anakin as a character and right. how he got to become Darth Vader. And in a way, it is kind of a, a beautiful tragedy. It is, it's a story worth telling. I think it would have been a disservice to not tell that story. And, mm-hmm. you know, as, as, as poorly done as it was, anytime that there's opportunity to tell more stories is a, tell more star wars stories the more that i've grown up that i i I feel that yes i I would be like yeah more star wars stories bring them on (laughs) and yeah i i i i don't i don't hate the prequels and sequels as much as i did even even two or three years ago i think as time has passed by i'm like it's a thing it's it's happened it's like whether i want it or not it is part of star wars and if i'm to call myself Someone that loves Star Wars, I have to take the good with the bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't Very know if that really like... answered your question, but <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, I was thinking about this for a while about like how how does my heart hold Star Wars and and how that reconciles with the larger Star Wars universe and everybody else has their own experience with star wars i mean even people who have never ever ever watched a single star wars still know no phrases like use the force and uh you know they know like jedi mind tricks it's like one of those those (laughs) movies and franchises that is percolated throughout every facet of society in some way or another i remember reading a book on the 40th anniversary of star wars and the author was trying to find somebody who had zero reference for star wars and i think they were able to maybe find some people who are out on an indigenous reservation somewhere in like the desert in the u.s Mm. like and that was like it otherwise other people had like concept for you know a villain breathing weirdly even if it was just that tenuous like it was you know like (laughs) like like the the fingerprints of star wars are all over every single thing but 
my sort of relationship with Star Wars and the trilogies kind of mirrors, I think, its growing population. Like, I never, obviously, I was too young to see the original trilogy when it aired. Return of the Jedi came out a couple years before I was born. It was 82 or 81. I can't remember. 83? 1973? 83. 83. <laughs> Shake down. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like, Return of the Jedi came out two years before I was born. So it was like already complete. All the questions in that trilogy had been answered by the time I came along. And Mm -hmm. so I was only ever going to see it the way I saw it and watching it in my own little bubble, like my own little bubble of one. It was like, okay, this is a movie and I'm liking it because now my opinion is just my opinion. And when the prequel trilogy came along, it was in the time where I had had, you know, playground games with friends talking about Star Wars. I had a friend group that, you know, was also interested in Star Wars and they announced these prequels and it was like, oh my gosh, new Star Wars movies. That's going to be exciting. And so you kind of grew up like talking with other people and like things they would say would color your opinion and like things you would say would color their opinion. So it's not as holistically as just like Star Wars movie, my brain, I'm making my own decision about it. And then like the sequel trilogy goes into even bigger because that was... The, the prequel trilogy, Revenge of the Sith, came out in 2005. So it was like there was social media, but it didn't look at all like social media now. And just like all of the mm-hmm. conversation and the worldwide, everybody had a take on Star Wars when the sequel trilogies were coming out in 2015, right? Everybody had a question about who is this? What is this? What does this mean? And then, of course, there's all the like foo about the last jedi where you know fans hated it and they wanted to remake it and that just sort of like really tainted it to be like there's like a bunch of loud people who are saying like you're wrecking my childhood and that like sort of turned me off of star wars for a little bit but it's i just had to think back like when i was young when i was little when i first saw it it just hit me in the perfect spot and i'll always have that experience like i'll always have the first time mm-hmm. i watched empire strikes back yeah, yeah, yeah. and they can make 10 million bad movies they can make a, a whole movie series about every single clone in the clone wars and it's still not going to like diminish the fact that i got to watch empire strikes back in my basement and it was a formative experience for me blah blah blah, blah. and i think that because like that memory is mine and you can't touch it i think i can keep that safe and then like interact with the rest of the star wars universe in the way that is like good and healthy and soul-filling for me rather than like getting drawn into a debate about you know people hating on the last jedi because they muddied the waters with oh the rebels also bought you know ships so they're also bad question mark and like (laughs) all that like it's just like no i don't need to i can i can put that aside if you want to have that debate fine i'm not gonna like wade Mm -hmm. into that water i'm just gonna stay here and watch empire strikes back and have a blast (laughs) so yeah (laughs) yeah no that all makes sense and the thing that is so enjoyable to me about the original trilogy still is that mm-hmm. I have copies of the original cut. So it's like the 77, the 80, and the 83 yeah. version of them. And so it doesn't have the overlay of the um, extra kind of like CGI stuff that uh, that George Lucas did at one point, which is fine. Like, I think that that's, it's fun too. But like one of the things McClunky. that I was thinking about, yeah, like... um. <laughs> I guess this is a kind of a bridge to also talking about the prequels because, again, I think the prequels, I have definitely softened on them as well over time. There was a good little chunk of time where I was like anything but (laughs) prequels, like, you know, (laughs) ABP or something. But, you know, like over time, I've been able to appreciate, especially Ewan McGregor's performance as Obi-Wan as really tying that prequel trilogy back to the original trilogy and really appreciating the lore and the background and and why Anakin had his fall, which is a very compelling storyline. But the part that I still feel is what makes me not buy into the prequels in the same way is the aesthetic one. So at the time, obviously, CGI, CGI being like this brand new kind of like technological advancement. And like when Phantom Menace was coming out, I was old enough. I was 12 when Phantom Menace came out. Like I remember what a big deal it was. Like Mm. this is still super early days of the internet, but like it was everywhere on every television on every, like there were posters all over the place. Like this was a massive deal. I just remember seeing Phantom Menace and thinking to myself, 
this doesn't look like Star Wars. And I Mm. think it's like one of the things that was kind of off-putting for fans at the time, and I still think is a little bit of a, is a hard thing for me, is how with all of the CGI, which is like really cool, obviously you can't really make Coruscant unless you're going to make CGI, right? Like that's just (laughs) implausible for for, um, a movie. I've always found myself drawn to the 1970s interpretation of what futuristic technology will look like, right? So like the the targeting computer and like how like video gamey from the seventies it looks like <laughs> and all of the kind of like clunky um, futuristic interpretation of what spaceships will look like and uh, what they're like beep boop beep boards will look like and how like <laughs> everything like an entire installation could be hacked by a single droid with one little brip, brip, brip. like it's just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so it's like all hardware no software kind of thing <laughs> and and I just, I, I guess I, I, I felt uh, if I'm, if I'm going to give it like the, the most clear kind of like retrospective thought, like that aesthetic is something that I felt was lost from the prequel trilogy was the kind of like, they, they looked like people who, and I never mind like the technological advancements that make all of the characters have better ability than later in time. Like, I don't, I don't even mean that. I just mean how the look of the original trilogy makes it it's very 70s i guess and oh, there's like so an infusion 70s. of yeah. of the 70s look that i actually really appreciate in the sequel trilogy how they brought that back well and also to to rogue one like the the rogue with the sort of side yeah. story rogue one they really captured that 1970 I, I i remember reading stories about actors being like yeah we like had 70s mustache growing contests so we could like physically inhabit the part and all the like props and, mm-hmm. and costumes also looked like that. And so, yeah, I think that's like, because that's what we saw first. That's like, that's what star Wars looks like. And the prequel came in and everything was shiny and smooth and like curves mm-hmm. and points. And it was just like, this isn't, this isn't star Wars. This is some like fancy planet called Naboo. <laughs> and there's like weird donut ships. Okay. I, I mean, I, I don't like it because it doesn't look like, show me my X-Wing. I want to see my X-Wings and my Star yeah, yeah. please. And thank well, you. Yeah. Do you remember that scene in Revenge of the Sith where um, it's with Bail Organa and I think Captain and Antilles and they're walking through the Tantive Four? And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like the, it's like the first shot of the movie where they're on a physical set. And <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah. whoa, where did this come from? This looks exactly like A New Hope. Yeah, exactly. So, what are your thoughts on the prequels? I know that you started a little bit, Alex, but like, feel free to yeah, flesh um, it out a bit more. I mean, kind of just going off your point about how it looks different, and you know, just obviously the CGI technology had improved to a point where they wanted to CGI a lot of things, and a lot of it has not aged well. But the way that I kind of look at the look of the prequels and then the original trilogy in terms of just the techno like not even just like actual how ships look how people dressed and how it was just more bright and brightly lit is that the way that i kind of view it now and my understanding of it is that like this was kind of the golden age of this universe and then you know the Mm. empire came and everything became more rugged and tough and mm-hmm. there's no there's no time to make things look nice. It's more about efficiency. So, you know, in, in some ways, I, like, I feel like that's kind of where the art direction was trying to go for for the prequels is that, you know, like, this is the renaissance of our time. And then, mm. um, you know, Palpatine made everything bad. <laughs> so now we have we're, we're like we're, we're on pure survival mode and there's no time for beauty. Right. So like as as, I, as I've grown up a little bit and have been like a little bit more critical past the anakin acting bad you know like (laughs) like once i've gone past that and i'm able to look at it a little bit more i i feel a little bit more appreciation towards the the uh the prequels in in terms of like the style of of it and like i just think it was it was neat because it is this it's this star wars world that is exploring more than what we've known and even like you you go back to Tatooine in in Phantom Menace like it still looks the same right like it's still hard it's rugged it's boxy but like all the places in the in the original trilogy uh outside of maybe Cloud City is like these are not 
good living living conditions these are people on the run these are people trying to like set up like a base in like so that they can leave and evacuate in 30 minutes right like it's not meant for comfort but i think the prequels really did a good job at showing like how the world or how the the universe was before before the sith took over before the galactic empire and i i I like to i like that kind of contrast and it makes it gives me i think that like just the thought of that like gives me a little bit more even more appreciation towards the the original trilogy contextually right seeing how how things have changed because of this plot so yeah so that's 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 kind of building on your point about how just things look different that's that's kind of how i see it now i like that take i hadn't considered that before that's that's awesome (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and then in terms of like the prequels i do there there is there's always a soft spot in my heart for the prequels and as funny as it is there's a big soft spot for attack of the clones in my heart because (laughs) attack of the clones is the second star wars movie i've ever seen and i remember watching in the theaters and being blown away by it obviously looking back critically now it's like yeah this this movie's not great like the dialogue is very poor the telling (laughs) the story of anakin and padme was done like not great but i just remember leaving the theater after watching attack of clones being like wow i didn't know like watching yoda fight was so cool yeah like dooku shooting force lightning was so cool the whole coliseum fight with and then like a hundred jedi show up that was incredible to me like the spectacle of it was just Mm -hmm. like it blew me away and i would i would argue that empire strikes back is what got me into star wars but attack of the clones is what kept me going and wanting me to find out more about this world i remember buying um from the book fair the uh the visual (laughs) visual uh dictionary um, I know how you know how every Star Wars movie there's like a visual dictionary yeah. with like yep, yep. pages of like the world and like this is the lightsaber and there'd be little diagrams like this is the emitter this is where you put in your your, your Kyber <laughs> crystal or whatever um, <laughs> yeah and I I had the Attack of the Clones one and I just poured over it because oh, nice. I wanted to know more about this world and it's funny Luke I think you you actually seen that book because I, I I donated it yeah. to the club yeah so it, yeah. it it might still live on there at <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, it, it got me so involved in the lore and I wanted to learn everything about it. So that's why Attack of the Clones has like a soft spot in my heart. And, you know, there, there's like there's parts of the prequels that make my top list of Star Wars moments. Just off the top of my head, pod racing in Phantom Menace <laughs> is fun. And to this day, even rewatching it, it's like poor acting aside, the not so like the dated CGI as well, but like just the idea of a child that I could relate to, right? Mm. Like a nobody being able to overcome all odds and like race for his, his freedom and his mom's freedom, you know, little twist, little twist. Mom doesn't get free, but like, like (laughs) having, having such huge stakes on a child was like, was cool to me. Right. Mm. Like Hmm. I'd be like, I, I remember watching Phantom Menace and be like, Anakin looks just like me and he's able to do this like why can't I do this and like you know that's a that's the first sense of wonder as a kid it's like what can't I do um and then (laughs) duel of fates like Mm -hmm. when Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are fighting Darth Maul um I maintain is out of all Star Wars movies is the best lightsaber sequence of any movie um like absolutely loved it the music the emotion that you see you and McGregor have when when Qui-Gon gets killed um, and just the, the stakes involved with it and just like a double-sided lightsaber like that's something that we've never seen before and <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, unheard yeah. of and it's it's so cool so like yeah those two moments in Phantom Menace and then in uh, Attack of the Clones the whole the mystery behind trying to figure out like where the clones came from or like where, where the dark came from that killed uh, Zam yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Zam Wessel uh, like I, I yeah and uh, like <laughs> I, I always thought, like, Obi-Wan has always been my favorite Star Wars character. And I think, like, we see a lot more of him in Ewan McGregor in the prequels. And I think, like, I actually, I think Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan is my favorite iteration of Obi-Wan. And then in Revenge of the Sith, just, like, when they're freeing Palpatine from Grievous' ship, that whole sequence of them escaping and crashing on the planet, and then, like, that final fight scene between Obi-Wan and Anakin, like, 
these are all sequences and scenes and storytelling that has been etched into what I love about Star Wars. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. as as much as much as like we like to rag on the prequels, and <laughs> it's funny because I didn't actually rag on the prequels until I got to maybe high school and like was surrounded by other people that like started talking about how bad the prequels were and i'd be like oh well i don't want to feel left out and like when i thought critically about it yeah this was bad but like now looking back back again it's like yes just like i didn't like like some parts of the prequels but i loved other parts of it and those parts are define star wars to me just as much as luke finding out that vader is his dad or you know luke blowing up the Death Star in A New Hope. Like those those are Star Wars moments to me. And when I think about Star Wars moments, I don't think about, oh, was it prequel? Was it sequel? Was it original right. trilogy? It's purely Star Wars moments for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I'm able to look back on the prequels with a little bit of fondness because they provided those moments for me. And they're part of my memory. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's what got me to keep wanting to know more about star wars um mm-hmm. is because because of the prequels yeah what a what a yeah. tale what's your relationship with the prequels like billy yeah like i kind of alluded to earlier my relationship with the prequels is informed by the time of life i was in where i was like consuming content with groups of people rather than just on my own like So 99, when episode one came out, I was like just about to leave junior high, like just getting into high school. And I remember just everyone being really hyped up about the Phantom Menace coming up, uh, coming out. I was in my first year of marching band or second year of marching band, maybe. Yeah. Which, you know, yes, I was in marching band. I'm a nerd. But here we are on a podcast talking about Star Wars. So (laughs) 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 just that was one thing where. I remember the first time people would watch a trailer and then talk about what that trailer means. And I had never really embodied the idea of, you know, what, what, what is this movie trailer? Like it's a snippet of the movie. like gets you excited. Cause like either they didn't do very many trailers. I think they did. Like, I think I was just unaware of them, but like, I remember my awareness coming full form into like watching the Phantom Menace. And then I remember watching it and having misgivings and being like, I don't, know if this was very good i liked some parts of it and then there was a lot of peer pressure and other people saying like oh no this was no good so i was like yes okay other people are confirming this like suspicion i have this is no good but there are there are parts of the prequels that are just fun and when you can watch it a little bit dispassionately i think then there are exciting moments in it and like i remember getting to go see Phantom Menace in the theaters after a performance, like we did a parade and I was so excited to leave that, like leave that parade after. And I was like, I'm going to go see star Wars tonight, everybody. Woo! And it was like this huge thing. It was this big spectacle. When attack of the clones came out, I was in grade 11 and my friends from school, we waited in line at the movie theater for seven hours beforehand. Like it was one of those things (laughs) where you had to line up to get a seat in the theater. We had gotten our tickets. We got to the theater at about, I don't know, noon. And the showing wasn't until like eight or nine at night. And we just sort of like sat there and traded off and we were like, okay, we're going to watch. It might've even been a midnight screening of, of attack of the clones. If I, really remember it. Yeah. Cause I think, yeah, I think it was a midnight screen cause we left after school and school would have gotten out around three. We went to go line up for the midnight showing and just like literally sat in the hallway of the movie theater and chatted with people. One, one person would leave and go to the food court and get like a snack and then come back and we'd save their spot in line. And it was such a community thing that like I would go in and I was so hyped and we had like, we would listen to the soundtrack. We bought the soundtrack and it was like, Oh cool. There's like, the love theme between Anakin and Padme. This is a cool song. And like, (laughs) Oh, what's this? Like they're chasing, there's a street chase through Coruscant. Like that sounds cool. I wonder what that's going to be like in the movie. Right. And like, so you can't really help, but get hyped up about it. And then I think really watching it for the first time, I was like, Oh no, are star Wars movies. Maybe not good. If you take them like critically, like (laughs) (laughs) just because there were, it was so like clunky and it was so, 
ridiculous and fair play to everybody who acted in those movies because it i've seen behind the scenes footage of dealing with the cgi and it was like okay you and mcgregor can you react against this tennis ball that we're just gonna wave around and it's like yeah that would be really hard for an actor to do like you know it's just they they didn't have that skill set of acting against nothing yet that i think was born out of this era and now people can do it a lot better and so like in some ways you know maybe star wars prequels had to crawl so that the mandalorian could run and like (laughs) you know (laughs) the effects have gotten better and the technology has gotten better and it's just like their unfortunate placement in time and technology meant that they took this big swing and it just like still was a little bit out of their reach to get exactly what they wanted. And so it ages poorly. Like if you watch the original trilogy and then watch the prequel trilogy, as I've recently gone through the effects age so much worse in the prequel trilogies. Like they look Mm -hmm. very, very plasticky. There's no weight to anything. Everybody's like flying around and it's because they like, they just didn't have the language or the nuance yet. And they had to cut their teeth on something and it just happened to be star Wars. Yeah. I remember just like watching the the movies as they came out i was getting into the hype and the prequels just made me more excited to rewatch the original trilogy like i'd watch you know attack of the clones and then i'd go home and be like all right 1996 ths edition like thx edition let's let's watch you and just like slip back into mm-hmm. like the comfy world of the the original trilogy but now that i've grown up and there's so many memes about like the star Wars trilogies and like watching them and knowing more of the lore. It's, it's really easy just to be like, God, this is all just stupid fun. It's just stupid pretend fun with laser swords and, you know, ships Mm -hmm. and clones and whatever. Like it doesn't getting mad about it. Isn't going to like make me feel better. (laughs) I'm just going to watch this movie. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. All right. Thank you so much for listening to part one of our star Wars discussion with Alex, Luke and I, Come back next week for part two of that discussion and the the rousing conclusion. I'm sure it'll be fabulous for everyone. In the meantime, if you want to listen to more of what we've done, you can find all of our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Nothing to fear. Wherever you get your podcasts and you can like, you can subscribe, you can leave us a rating. It really helps us out a lot. And we'd love to chat to you on social media. So if you want to say anything about the show, give us a movie recommendation, ask us questions. You can do that on nothing to uh, nothing fear podcast on instagram or ntf pod on twitter and you can also join our nothing to fear patreon which is one dollar a month it is patreon.com slash nothing to fear and there's some cool bonus episodes and discussions and i wrote some stuff and there's a thing i did for halloween on there it's it's kind of a mixed bag but it's a lot of fun and it helps the show Uh, grow more and get more listeners yeah so thanks so much for listening thanks to alex and luke i hope you're having a wonderful break and if you want to check out what luke's doing you can listen to liberal soul you can listen to really true fiction you can also check out the kootenai co-op radio show that he does either on on the radio or on the website the links are all in the show notes and you can also check out alex's music he does a song a day playlist at one song a day w-a-n all one word and yeah i'm on instagram as well at design billy so you can check us out there but we'll see you next week for part two of our star wars discussion adios